Hey everybody, welcome to the Talking Llama podcast. This episode will be going over three different ways that you can have the best sound quality as a podcaster without breaking the bank and investing in a professional recording studio. So this is part one of a two-part series. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Talking Llama podcast, the podcast for podcasters. Thanks for stopping by as we discuss all things podcasting, like gear and creative processes, even marketing and promoting your brand. If you're looking to grow, monetize, or even just start your podcast, you're in the right place. The Talking Llama podcast is here to help you tell your story to the world with confidence. Here's your host, Ian Roth. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Llama podcast. And today's guest is Nate Bonnet. He is the founder of Octave Studios and the podcast host of the Concrete Wasteland, and he's actually here to do the first ever two-part series on something, and we're going to talk about how to, as a podcaster, make sure you get the best quality audio that you can and how you can make yourself sound the best through the mixing and mastering process. Hey, how you doing, Nate? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to kind of dive into all this, and it's weird being a guest on a podcast for once instead of hosting it, so this is going to be a nice little change of pace for me. Yeah, awesome. I'm trying to do the same. I'm trying to guest on uh, a lot of shows too, and and I did one last weekend. And you're right, it was weird. It's a different. It's like you're in the like in just the hot seat as opposed to you know what you're used to doing as the host, right? Yeah, I'm used to just kind of shooting off like just off the cuff and working off whatever's like kind of fed by the whatever artist or person I'm talking to. And now it's gonna be like, oh, gotta make sure I put a little bit of thought into this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we've been kind of geeking out on audio stuff for the last weeks or months or so, and excited to get you on. And so for this part one of the part one of this little mini series here, we're going to be talking about the right recording environment, knowing when to make the proper edits, and then kind of go into starting to go into the mixing realm and talk about gain staging. So. Nate, I am a podcaster working in an empty, an extra bedroom of my house, probably like a lot of people who are out there, not in a professional recording studio. So what are some things that I can do and are within my control to make sure the sound I'm putting into my microphone sounds good? Um, yeah, definitely. Because um, for me, I'll, I guess I'll explain my situation because it's really not a lot of different, um, not too different from what most other people would be doing. I'm just... My studio is based in like a basement of a house that I rent. So I'm using one bedroom as my control room that I'm recording in right now. And then I have another room for instruments. But I'm guessing most people, if they are, they're either stuck in the smallest guest room that they have, more than likely, if that's the spare room. Or in a lot of cases, I know some people have had to end up going in closets. And both actually will work really well and to your advantage. You just have to do a few small things. And that's... um. It's going to seem weird, but if you have bookcases or if you have a lot of stuff, really fill out the room. What you want to do is create areas and pockets where the sound can kind of get trapped so that you don't have a lot of echo and bounce back from everything that's happening in the room. And then another thing you can do is, um, say, cover up windows with pillows if you can, if they're like just small windows, if you're in a basement uh, when you're recording, that'll just cut out a little bit of that space. Or... Even hang a really thick blanket on your back wall. Like um, just something that can really take in any extra sound. You don't need to go full out. Um, 
but just small things like that would really help. Or if you end up having like, say, uh, say made like a spare $300, you can go and buy a, um, the fiberglass that's used for studio rooms. And I created four base traps for my studio room and two for my tracking room. And I just have those in the corners and those, I think I co- cost me about 150 to $200. And I just use some old bed sheets to cover them up. I've heard the term base traps and is it like a piece of, I pictured it's like a piece of foam that is supposed to suck up the, like the low end frequencies. Is Am I right? Yeah, that's basically it. And if you put in your corners, those are generally where a lot of uh, low end is going to build up in your room and kind of bounce back. So if you put, and it's, um, what I did is it's a certain type of fiberglass. I can't remember what it is right off the top of my head, but if uh, it's a Google search away, just look up um, soundproofing insulation. And I bought, I think, one or two cases of that for 80 bucks a case and just put uh, two on top of each other. I think I ended up cutting. I'm not sure if I ended up, can't remember if I ended up cutting them or not, but I ended up mainly just putting one stack on top of another and then wrapping that in fabric and then hanging it from my um, ceiling or in the corners here. And that just helps any of that extra low end um, kind of verbiage you hear in a, especially an empty room. Um, You can really notice it. So you would say you've noticed an audible difference in your recordings from when, before you had that set up and after? Oh, definitely. Not just my recordings, but my ability to properly hear what I'm mixing because I prefer not to mix on headphones. I prefer to mix through like speakers and monitors. And so what I'm hearing in the room is a lot better as well. One other thing I did buy for my vocal mic itself that I use when I'm recording um, mainly like singing and screaming vocals for covers or bands or having artists artists in is a uh, just a shield that I put on my mic stand and actually just goes a couple inches behind the microphone and then wraps around. And it just creates a, another little layer of isolation behind the microphone so that anything that could bounce back and into the mic is kind of depleted and doesn't become nearly as predominant in the capture. Speaking of microphones, I'm sure it's a little different for singing vocals and maybe spoken word, but like how far should your mouth be from the microphone? Like a pretty easy, you know, kind of basic Uh, question. A basic, it's the same for everything. Unless you're doing like really high belting vocals where you're using a lot of air, you generally have to back up. Like right now I'm a bit further away from my mic, but if I project a bit, I get a lot louder. But then I come in a bit closer and a good rule of thumb is actually a thumb to pinky away from the mic. And then if you're getting really, I guess, soft and um, I guess intimate with the vocal, then maybe just about a fist length away so that you're still nice and close to the microphone and everyone can hear what you're saying, but you don't really have to go too far in. You can kind of get a Larry King sort of vibe where you're just kind of talking smoothly and softly to the audience. Your your Larry King is spot on, man. Bravo. Thank you. I like that. So about a thumb to pinky away, you don't need to be eating the microphone, but at the same time, you don't want to be far away. So good to know. Especially if you're using a condenser microphone. Man, it's like you read my mind. So I was going to say, I was going to say what really is good for a podcast, a condenser or a dynamic. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. I'm using a condenser microphone and that's just because I 
I really like how I'm able to sort of move around it and it's still very focused on what it captures. I find it very much depends on the situation you're in. If you're um, very, I guess, stationary and you don't do a lot of hand movements and you don't really need to move around and have that little bit of an ADD movement here and there, then um, a dynamic mic might work perfect for you because you can just keep it focused on the spot. Or I find what really works for dynamic mics is the classic interview uh, style thing. So like the, I have a mic, I hand it over to my, um, I guess, interviewee, they talk into it, or we both have our own because we're on location somewhere. I find a dynamic mic works better in those situations because you have a bit more control of, you only want to capture what's like directly being spoken into it. But in a case where, say, I'm in a room and I want to be able to sit down, have a little bit of bit more comfortability with how I can move, a condenser I find is perfect in those situations because like even in the space of explaining this, I've kind of moved a little bit in and away from the mic or left or right of it just to kind of be able to express myself fully. And I haven't had to worry about keeping something kind of directly in shot of my mouth, if that makes any sense. Yeah, sure. So dynamic if you're going to be stationary and like like the example you used of you know an interview a traditional interview sitting down someone else is sitting down whereas a condenser maybe if you're walking around a little bit or i think that's uh that's the common microphone of choice for a lot of video audio that's used it's like a condenser the shotgun mics i think mostly are condensers Uh, definitely definitely and um I guess this is going to allude to something we'll touch on on number in the second episode. But in the case of, say, ambient background noise, if you're in an environment, like you said, where you're walking around, maybe you're out in nature and you're doing kind of like a hiking podcast or something like that, maybe you want all that background ambient noise there because it helps add to the immersion of the listener for the listener in that episode, in which case a condenser mic is perfect because, again, it's a bit more sensitive to its environment and it can pick up a lot more. Versus the dynamic mic's only going to capture what's directly going into it. Yeah, so it sounds like it's it really depends on the podcaster's environment and what the podcaster is going for. I mean, I use a condenser forever. I absolutely love it. The thing sounds crystal, crystal clear. But I have three little kids that run around the house, and any noise they would make on the other side of the house, that thing would pick up because it was it's that good. So that's why I just switched to a dynamic. But I mean, maybe you're in a little in a place that's a little quieter and you can get away with the dynamic. And I do overall think uh, a condenser, I'm sorry. And I do overall think that the condenser, like you said, it picks up all just like the different ambient noises. And I just think makes your voice sound really, really clear. Yeah. There's, I find there's a bit more of a clarity to the voice with condenser microphones just because of what it's able to pick up. But in the case of say, going back to um, the person who's, utilizing that spare room and getting away with as little as possible, maybe just grabbing a SM58 or an SM57 dynamic microphone uh, will be just what you need because now you don't have to worry as much about your environment because it's not really going to be as much of a factor as it would be with a condenser microphone. Yeah, great point. And for those of you all out there listening, thinking of starting a podcast, don't let the microphone intimidate you. I mean, we're going to talk about some different ways in the next episode with noise gates and kind of through the EQ editing process that no matter what kind of microphone you're using or you just have laying around the house, we can make your voice sound good and make the sound quality sound good. So more to come in the next episode. I guess that's kind of like a little preview. Yes. Of what and we'll a quick, be talking about. But yeah, man. 
a quick disclaimer, I guess, for anyone who's um, just starting out and has never really recorded themselves. Don't worry. We all hate the sound of our own voice. You're about to hear it for the first time as everyone else hears it. And don't worry. The main reason you're going to hate it is because it doesn't sound like how you've been hearing it through, like hearing your body tone echo what you're putting out there. So not just not so much to say just get over it, but more so just know this is something everyone deals with. and you'll get used to it the more you get used to recording and the more you get used to listening to yourself played back from those recordings. I had to mute my microphone because I was laughing my rear end off when you said that. Yeah, I mean, totally. When I heard myself for the first time, like, man, you sound like a freaking clown. Like, who the heck's going to listen to your podcast, man? You sound like a clown. And you just get used to it. And everybody, I think everybody goes through that. I mean, even like Pat Flynn, who's like the OG podcaster, best podcaster out there, arguably. He said like his first recording, he heard himself and was just like, oh, goodness, I sound awful, you know. But yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, Nate, because it's just so true. Oh, there's no, and there's nothing more deflating than seeing someone who's not prepared for that deflate mid-take as they're hearing themselves back through the monitor or deflate mid-playback because it, this wasn't what they were expecting. Um, just be prepared to just not sound how you think you sound. And I think expectations and not just that, but the things that you might need to work on either in podcasting, it would be just how do you articulate? How do you speak? How do you pace the things that you want to get across to everyone in a way that's easy to digest versus going a mile a minute? Um, or in the case of vocalists, like um, that sing or scream, like the tone and how that tone sounds like, the more you get used to that, it'll make it a lot easier for you to improve and deliver your best every time. Totally agree with you, man. And, uh, you know, I absolutely love how you sum that up. For kind of moving into editing, if I am maybe editing audio for the first time, what the heck am I looking for? What do I need to do? Do I need to cut out every um? Do I need to, like, you know, go by the millisecond through my wave file? I find pacing is the most important thing. If you find there are words that you keep going back to every once in a while as thinking words, because that's generally what like words like um or uh or any of those stall words are. They're just words put in place of your thought so that you can properly then present it. Don't worry too much about that unless you feel it happens way too much, in which case just work on not doing it as much. It's a lot easier to do edits that kind of feel to a pace versus removing words. But if, say, you run a podcast that you don't want any dirty language and then you have someone who drops an F-bomb, uh, there are ways that you can just quickly cut that out or put some static over top and be like, whoop, okay, cool, can't hear that part, but here we go. But mainly just focus on pacing while you're listening to it. Does it feel like you're listening to a conversation between either yourself and another person or if it's just yourself or you're listening to one of those story podcasts, does it feel like the narration in your head when you would be reading a book? I find that's the best way to go at it because if you can make it feel like the pacing of what you're listening to flows in a way that engages you while you're editing it, then you know what's there and what's working. So you can eliminate some long pauses or you can add a pause where there isn't one if you feel that there wasn't enough, I guess, strength put behind it because the pause at the end of the sentence didn't reinforce the point or allow time for thought. Uh, just small things like that I find are the ultimately the most important because 
when people come to listen to this and it's say in our case, it's a conversation between you and my, um, you and I, people want to feel like they're right there. They want to feel like they're experiencing it. They want to basically it's the Joe Rogan podcast template and why it's so successful. And the video aspect I think helps that them helps them there as well. But when you just listen to the audio, it feels like you're just in that room with them, listening to these people talk about something they're passionate about or knowledgeable about. And then that makes you as the listener want to engage with it, even if it's just by listening to it. So I hear you saying flow and pace is the most important thing over cutting out ums and all that other stuff. Most definitely. I find um, only do the cutouts of ums and ahs if you feel it's distracting from the overall points that are being, I guess, presented in the conversation. That's great. And I like how you compared it to the the narration of someone reading you a story in your head. And I found at least when I was starting, I was actually talking super, super fast because I got pumped. I got excited and was just like machine gunning words out and like, man, that is that's like so damn quick. Like, how do I keep up? How would someone else keep up with that? And it was kind of uncomfortable. So I've had to train myself to talk a little slower and it sounds a lot slower in my head than it actually is. And then when I listen to the playback, it's actually sounds like it's at a normal speed. It's weird what being able to record these conversations does for our ability to more accurately perceive the speeds at which we have our conversations. Because like you, same thing for me. I noticed I speak really quick. Like I'd had people in conversations be like, slow down. And I thought they were just like, not quite following the conversation and I wasn't going that fast, but listening back to my first few podcasts, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I really need to just kind of take a half a second and just slow everything down so that everything kind of comes across way more clear. And honestly, I might even have to use less words because of it. Yeah, true. It slowing down makes you be more intentional in what you're going to say and your, in your word choice. So you very often can say what you want to say with fewer words. I do believe this next one that we have to dive into is probably the most important though, if it comes to wanting to make sure your quality is um, set up, if you want to. We talked about what we can do for the environment, like kind of what, what's within our just surroundings here. And yeah, let's do it. Let's dive into kind of the first quality audio quality control mechanism we have for proper gain staging. Well, what is gain staging and why do I care about it? Gain staging are those little wavelengths that you see after you hit record that represent the audio that the mic captured. Now, a lot of people get confused when it comes to um, that audio that louder is better. What you want to be able to do in like the first stage of gain staging, which is the recording stage, is making sure that your mic is capturing everything, but it's not over amplifying everything. Like for you and I, before we started, we uh, made sure that our wavelengths were good in this uh, program that we're doing the podcast through. And as I'm talking, I can see each and little articulation from all the words I'm saying, and nothing's overly peaking. Like, I'd say overall, my wavelengths are just a bit smaller than yours, but they're both of ours are consistent. And that's really what you want to aim for is something that catches everything that you're saying, but doesn't overload it. And you'll know when it's overloading when the two ends of the audio 
basically fill out the entire track. You don't want that. That's uh, known as clipping, and that is a big no-no. You can use clipping in cool little ways for like mixing and stuff like that, but in the case of recording, clipping is a huge no-no because now you're going to have weird distortions that happen due to being too loud. But in the opposite case, if you're too quiet, um, now you're going to have a lot of weird background noises and artifacts that appear from having to really over amplify the sound so that someone can actually properly hear it and I guess decipher what's being put out through their headphones. Okay. So that's the definition of gain staging. So I guess the next question would be what is an appropriate level that we should aim for? And if you want to talk about headspace, what is headspace and how does it relate to what we're talking about? Um, headspace would be the overall room that you have available to you for your audio to take up. There's only ever so much room that is available. Um, I mix a lot of like extreme metal bands from time to time. And the thing that's very interesting about that style is it's a bunch of noise fighting for space. So you always have to make concessions and adjustments and dip things out in other areas to make it work, even in just game staging to make stuff work. But in the case of going down to a podcast where you really only have maybe a few voices, maybe some background noise or some sound effects here and there, maybe some music once in a while, nothing's overly too complex. But you generally want to find, I find I like to stay around negative six as my peak. Like I want to make it so that I'm hearing everything and my wavelengths are noticeable. But if I get overly excited or overly loud, I'm still not clipping. I'm at that negative six so that if I do need to do a little bit of compression down the road or um, just do some automation with a fader, I don't have to do nearly as much uh, versus if, say, everything's out of control and just everywhere across the map. Okay, so negative six is your target for, and that's negative six decibels? Yeah. Okay, so... People say they're using Audacity. I use Logic Pro X. There'll be like a little mixer board. And I know for my example, as you're speaking and the gain is showing a green line and there's little dashes with numbers starting at negative numbers, working up the screen to zero and then above. So negative six, just a little bit below the zero is where you want the loudest point of your audio to be. Yeah, precisely. I actually... Really wish that I could see the decibel count on um, this Zencaster program here because then I could be like, I think that's right about where I'm looking at because I'm hitting everything roughly consistent consistently, but I don't have a fader open for me to directly check that right now. But neg six is generally my um, rule of thumb is what I like to aim for. Awesome. Well, Nate, we hit all the things I wanted to introduce to the listeners for this episode, part one of how to make your podcast sound good. And a lot of, I mean, you taught me some stuff, a lot of good stuff they can take back that is, I think, pretty simple and things that they can implement rather easily as they're growing and starting their podcast. But just as we're wrapping up on this episode, Nate, where can people go to find your podcast and find out more about what you're doing? Uh, yeah, you can find my podcast, The Concrete Wasteland, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Or if you want to, um, you can find it at octavestudiosmh.com slash podcast. 
Um, I kind of keep everything that I uh, release through the studio banner centered on one area. So I got a, a festival that I'm promoting and hoping can still maybe happen, happen this year, but things are what they are. So plan for the worst, hope for the best. <laughs> and um, we promote a bunch of underground bands. Our main goal is usually about four different artists get played every episode. I'm currently reshaping the format. I actually have a few interviews I'm doing myself with a few people for the next few episodes, focusing on just how to adjust at this point in time. And yeah, that's where you guys can find me. Outstanding, Nate. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. And I, I know our listeners will be anxiously awaiting to hear part two from you. Well, I'm excited to get started on part two whenever we get the chance to. Hey there, my llama friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talking Llama podcast. If you want to learn more about Talking Llama Media, please head to our website at talkingllama.com. If you find value in this show, please subscribe so that you stay up to date with all new episodes. And if this content really speaks to you, share it with a friend or consider leaving a review. Doing this not only spreads the Talking Llama message, but who knows, could possibly help someone take their first step in starting their own podcast. If you really want to take your support for Talking Llama Media to the next level, I would be extremely grateful if you joined the Talking Llama Herd and became a patron. We have three levels of Patreon tiers, all of which give you access to unique, additional Talking Llama content. Thank you so much for your support. Stay confident, stay creative, and most importantly, speak your legacy. See you next time.